911, what's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who is listening in on the Talk to Living podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and Keith is our guest today. Keith, I should have asked you if you pronounce your last name as NoTech before <laughs> we hopped on and I pressed that live button. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Most people hey. don't get it right. Perfect. So Keith here is an award-winning author, a veteran, a speaker, a trainer, a retired California police commander, and a sheriff sergeant. And he has a very rich background with 30 years in law enforcement. And he also has experience with post-traumatic stress. And that's actually what inspired him to write a book. And his book is titled From Sorrow to Amazing Grace, One Cop's Journey. And I was able to finish reading this last night. It is actually an an incredibly easy read. And it's easy because you are an incredible storyteller. You don't include that here, Keith, but I'm going to add that too. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on and enjoying the morning with us and sharing a little bit of your story and what you're doing now. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Keith, post-retirement, your mission has been to really speak to members of public safety who might also suffer in silence and to teach them ways that they can bounce back. And we're going to get into what the four pillars of resiliency are in a little bit, but can you just kind of briefly walk us through a little bit of your background, your story, and your story is massive. I mean, we, we can talk about things from you getting ran over by a vehicle and literally coming out unscathed. I know there have been divorces. You have had many close calls in your career in law enforcement. And um, can you, can you just kind of, summarize your career in a nutshell. That way we can get into some of the tactics that you've learned over time that we might be able to apply to other people who might have a similar story to yours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've been involved in, in um, like any other police officer who's been around for, you know, any length of time, you know, if you do the job, you're going to see horrible things. You're going to see uh, people at their worst, you're going to experience mass casualty events, you know, bl- violence, horrific traffic accidents. Uh, I was involved in, in a couple of shootings uh, and, you know, apparently God felt to keep me around for some reason. And I'm thankful for that. But, uh, you know, I initially when I went into law enforcement in the mid 80s, there was this stigma with seeking help. You know, your your sole responsibility is to handle your calls in the field. Um, and it doesn't matter if you just came from um, experiencing, you know, maybe a dead kid. And now you have to go take a burglary report. And when you show up to the people's home, they don't know where you've just been or what you've experienced. Um, and that stuff builds up over time and you carry it with you. Um, You know, people say, leave the uniform um, in your locker or leave the uniform at work. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but we we have these. We have our brain and our brain hopefully goes with us everywhere. So when we get home and we're off duty, that stuff is it's always up here and you're trying to process it the best way you know how. Um, Initially, because of the negative stigma that goes along with. Um, seeking help. Um, 
I self-medicated with alcohol. That's, that's what I did. Um, you know, I mean, booze is, it's quick and easy. You go to the store, you buy a bottle, um, you know, at home you drink. Uh, in, initially I, I did it to, I was having the PTSD nightmares, um, after, uh, a horrific shooting. Um, I, I couldn't sleep. And every time I dozed off, I'd hear gunfire in my sleep. So I, I would drink before I went to bed to take the edge off. Well, eventually, you know, they call alcoholism a progressive disease and it is, it sneaks up on you. It'll take your soul if you're not careful. Um, and it became a problem with me, a real problem. Um, eventually I discovered that I needed to bring balance in my life. Um, and I learned about the four pillars of resilience, um, which are um, the physical aspect of our lives, mental, spiritual, and social. And if one of those things gets out of whack, you know, your whole life seems to get off kilter, um, as it did in my case. Uh, I mean, I was, I was spiritually bankrupt, uh, you know, I, I kept God locked in a closet. Um, <clears throat> when I was uh, depressed or deep into my, you know, negative PTSD thoughts, I isolated. So the social aspect of the four pillars went out the window because I didn't want to be around people during my, my off-duty hours, um, you know. Uh, even to the point of isolating myself from my own family, you know, my, my wife and kids who were younger at that time. Um, and uh, I stopped going to the gym. I mean, we all know that working out is good for us. You know, it, uh, you know, cardio is great for your cardiovascular system. Um, and and it's, it's good for the brain too, but you know, it helps us sleep and sleep is huge. Um, when it comes to resilience and bouncing back from stress, well, I didn't do any of that. So my, my spiritual life, social, mental, I wasn't doing anything um, to, uh, for growth in my own mental health. Um, that all went out the window and I became a mess, finally to the point of uh, being completely broken. And... Um, when I educated myself about the four pillars of resilience, you know, I took baby steps. Um, I put down the bottle and, and started, you know, getting back to the gym. I started um, having meaningful relationships with my friend and uh, friends and family. Again, um, started going back to church and, you know, when I talk about the spiritual component, it's, it's not all about religion. It's really not. It's about connecting with your higher power. Um, you know, the, the spiritual component, it helps bring purpose into your life. You know, there's got to be more than to life than just existing on this planet, right? So um, I find that when I focus on maybe the, the physical aspect of my life by going out into nature and maybe going kayaking or hiking or even fishing. And I'm around a beautiful lake and there's pine trees. It connects me with, with God, you know, with God's creation. So I'm working on, 
the spiritual and the physical. Um, and once I started doing these things, um, it became easier because the, the more you consciously put things into practice, they become habits. So these things became a habit with me and I made some lifestyle changes um, for the better. Um, and, you know, I have a blessed life now. I, I wrote a book talking about my law enforcement experience. Um, as you mentioned earlier, my, my experiences with post-traumatic stress and, and how I was able to overcome them by working a, a holistic program of um, recovery and resilience. Yeah. And, and that's great. Good morning, you guys. And, you know, one thing that you made mention of was that ability to disconnect and to actually get into the real world, which is what we started blabbing about before we, we went live. And um, I think that is, is super, super important. And if it's OK, Keith, I want to take a, a reverse step for a second, because in your book, um, until everybody here has read Keith's book, you, you wouldn't know that you had lost your career in law enforcement more than once to the extent of literally being chased by a police helicopter and finding your way home while you were under the influence. And what's coming up for me is I'm just wondering, just having been married to a police officer, having so many clients that work in law enforcement, when you're in that environment with other macho guys and we talk about the inability to like be broken amongst uh, each other right and having to have that concealment what were some of the things if if we can be super vulnerable that you were having to hide from other people who were probably going through exactly the same thing as you um you know in in the mid 80s when i started my career i was a i was a little baby cop i mean i turned 21 in the police academy so I was just this young, naive, inexperienced kid uh, who was fortunate enough to land a position in law enforcement. But I, you know, the, the guys I worked with, like my training officers back in the early days, a lot of those guys were Vietnam vets. They were combat vets. Um, so here's, you know, little baby faced me. Um, who looked like I stole a police uniform off of a real policeman. And I'm working with these guys who've, who've done it all and, and seen it all. And their attitude was like, hey, suck it up. You know, um, I, I had to put on this, um, I guess you'd say, macho exterior um, and, and not really show my face and not be vulnerable um, I mean, from the get go, when I was in the FTO program um, out of the academy, you know, I, I started going to homicide scenes and, um, you know, I experienced um, a, a murdered child. And these are things that, you know, the, the son of a Lutheran pastor, me, I never experienced that stuff as, as a kid. And um, I was kind of sheltered. And, and here I am in the real world facing man's inhumanity to man. So I, I had to really suck it up. That stuff bothered me and it stayed in my head. And, um, you know, I suspect that it did with other police officers too. But, you know, we all, there was this stigma that I mentioned earlier. And, you know, you don't show the real you. Um, 
you don't show your real face. You put on your work face. And, and then in my case, eventually what I did is I went home and I drank over it. Yeah. What advice would you have to somebody who might be listening right now, who has kind of gotten themselves caught up in that same motion, who hasn't had that spiritual awakening that you mentioned in your book? Um, you know, it's, unless you're in that position, it's, it's, it's so hard to break. Um, in, in my case, what it took was a, um, a, a car crash when I was driving under the influence to, to really get my attention. I mean, I was broken beyond belief and, um, you know, I thought I was broken beyond repair. However, I was able to overcome it. Um, I would just urge people that are going through these things to, to seek help. There are people who really do care, uh, you know, don't check out by way of, you know, suicide. Don't go down that destructive path there, you know, replace those destructive behaviors with positive ones. Focus on self-care. Self-care is huge. Um, you know, and when I talk about resilience, all resilience means is that, you know, it's how well we bounce back after experiencing trauma. You know, focus on your the mental component um, of your life. Um, the physical, the spiritual, and the social, when we develop meaningful relationships with people and we cut out those toxic relationships that are no good for us, it brings meaning into our lives and we can engage with people and, and we can show our true face and, and be vulnerable with people. And that helps to pull you out of that, that uh, depressive state you know, at least in my case, it did. Um, you know, I, I was depressed. I didn't know I was depressed, but I was. My wife recognized it. I, I didn't. You know, um, when I started having symptoms of PTSD, um, I mean, it was back in the 90s. PTSD wasn't a, a buzzword like it is today. Um, you know, I knew I was having negative thoughts um, and unwelcome um, thoughts in my mind. I just didn't know it was post-traumatic stress. Um, and then it manifested in my, itself in my life in such a negative way. So talk to people, reach out, you know, um, whether it's with a peer counselor at work or a beat partner that you trust, um, you know, or even a, a counselor or a pastor. You know, most agencies have um, employee assistant programs, EAP, you know, don't be afraid. I know in, it, in my case, I was afraid to reach out to the department psychologist or, or you know, get a counselor through work. But um, I really do believe in that. And, you know, had I not had that negative stigma in the 80s when I was a brand new cop, Maybe I would have, you know, reached out sooner and, and got help. And maybe I wouldn't have had to go down that destructive path. So be proactive in your own recovery. Yeah, and I really love that. Good morning, you guys. I really love that you make mention of that in your book, getting over that that sort of super ego and how that led you to become from what you describe in your book, it's essentially like a completely different man. There were people that 
deliberately avoided you because of the man that you had become, who you then reached out to to apologize for. And then you explain that if those people don't want to accept the apology and the authentic self that you are now, then they probably shouldn't be in your life. And that's on them. Thanks for all you do. Be real. Be blessed. As men, we are not supposed to show our emotions on the job. Thanks for opening up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it takes a certain level of vulnerability. And Keith, you mentioned in your book, a certain level of like really reaching the rock bottom, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that is very, very important. And before we wrap this up, one thing that you talk about in your book, while we're talking about ego, you, you say that you had this room that was essentially like a shrine to Keith with all of your achievements and and all of your awards and things that, that you had accomplished in your career. And it, it sounded very lonely as I was reading those words because um, there are so many people that I know who have retired from law enforcement and they're no longer a part of this fixed community. They don't, they don't feel a part of that brother and sisterhood anymore. So what advice might you have for somebody who, who is in that situation, finding themselves post-retirement like you are now? You know, probably, um, have friends that are outside of the profession, um, you know, for the longest time when I was still working, I retired six and a half years ago and um, I immersed myself in my career. I mean, I used to eat, live and breathe law enforcement. That's what I wanted to do when I was a, a little kid and I was able to do it. But uh, it seemed that all my friends were in law enforcement and, um, you know, everybody's different. And I think that's what makes the world go around. So if you have that diversity in your life and have friends that work outside of the law enforcement community, um, it's important to develop those relationships because they can give you a perspective other than what you're used to um, going, you know, going out into the field every day. Um, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, have hobbies, other interests, um, like, um, after I retired, I, I honestly, I grew up in Southern California. I was never a fisherman or anything like that, but I live in the high country in, in Arizona now, and there's a bunch of lakes around here. And, um, so I've, um, I bought a kayak, um, I've learned how to fish, um, uh, you know, get hobbies and things that, um, are interesting and, and bring fulfillment into your life. Um, uh, I teach a class up at NAU. Um, it's a two hour, it was a two hour class um, called Psychological Survival for Law Enforcement. And the program director up there tasked me with rewriting that and turning um, a two hour block of instruction into an eight hour block of instruction. So I teach that course as well as some other um, law enforcement related courses up at um, Northern Arizona University. And, um, you know, those things still keep me connected with the community. And I think my experiences and my 30 years on the job um, helped me to convey to these new kids that, you know, want a career in law enforcement. I'm giving back to them and I'm giving back to the law enforcement community and I'm still engaging with people. And I do a lot of volunteer work, too, here in the community. So it, it keeps my interests up. And the fact that, um, you know, the public employees retirement system in California pay me to stay home. <laughs> uh, so I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do. You know, I don't have to wake up 
an alarm clock anymore. Well, except this morning. Uh, no, that's all good. It's all good. No, I think um, that that's so valuable. Keep it. Yeah. Good morning. This was amazing. Have friends that are outside of the profession. Absolutely. For everybody who's listening, I actually forgot to make mention of the fact that I'm going to mail you a copy of Keith's book to whoever is the most engaged on this thread. So you can start asking questions of each other. You can ask questions of Keith. If we don't get to it on the live, then I'll try to tag him after we're done here. And um, Keith, before we wrap this up, if you could give one piece of advice to that, that young baby-faced cop in this oversized uniform, what advice would you give to him? Probably don't let your ego, um, don't get carried away with your, your ego. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> some people when they go into law enforcement, they're like, oh, I want to help people and, you know, all of these idealistic things. Um, when I went into law enforcement, it was for completely selfish reasons. Maybe I didn't go into the profession for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. um, for me, in my case, you know, I got a taste of it when I was a police explorer and, and I was hooked. Um, for me, it was the uh, chasing the adrenaline high um, and, you know, uh, driving fast, taking bad guys to jail. Um, you know, I felt good, you know, arresting people who needed to, to go to jail. That was, that was great, but really evaluate why you're going into the profession. What are your motives? What are your reasons? And remember that we're all, we're all human beings and you're no better than anybody else. You know, I had that attitude in my early career that I was better than everybody else. And, um, you know, you got to keep things into proper perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great advice. The name of the book, if you missed it, was From Sorrow to Amazing Grace, One Cop's Journey. I have had PTSD since 9-11. Self-care is so important in being real and find those who really trust you to open up with no judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Finding that safe space, exactly what Keith had mentioned, that that confidant, that one person, um, we can all find that one person and you guys have an entire group that's filled with them. Now, Keith, where can people get a hold of you? How can they get their hands on a copy of a book if they don't win one from me? <laughs> um, well, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, under my name, Keith Notech. Um, I have an author page on Facebook, uh, Keith Notech author. Um, and the book is available, you know, through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, I think Walmart was carrying it online, Target, um, and a lot of your big box vendors and most um, bookstores, you know, where books are available, it's available through them online. Some brick and mortar stores actually physically carry the book, um, which I was surprised to learn. But uh, I learned of a place in, I think, Massachusetts that, that carries the book. Um, in their store. So that was that was kind of neat. But really, anywhere books are sold, you can get a copy. Beautiful. Thank you so much for spending your time with us this morning. Thank you for oh, your 30 years in law enforcement and, and your continued work. But most importantly, showing a different way that I know that so many police officers just haven't learned, especially if they've been in the career for a long time. And it sounds like you 
continuing to teach in the way that you are, you're instilling some some different values and a little bit more of the modern way of, of policing based on your own experience. So that that means so much. And I want to thank you for that. And you you are such an, an inspiration. And I'm saying that because having delved into your book, I, I read it like almost nonstop because it was that engaging of a book. And I feel kind of bad sometimes when I feel like I know my guests so well before they even hop on to do our lives. But it definitely makes me have an incredibly high level of appreciation for you. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Ashley. And I appreciate you as well and all that you do for the, the public safety community. Thank you. Have a good day, everyone.